Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from Luke's gospel. From Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, in the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am still a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most, of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child will be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's an old joke about a preacher who was uh, doing a children's moment. And he had all the kids come up front and they were, they were talking about the, the message. And he said, guys, I have a question I want to ask you. What is a, what's a small creature that lives in a tree and it's furry and it has a bushy tail and it gathers acorns? And one little boy sheepishly raised his hand and said, Preacher, that sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer's got to be Jesus. That's kind of how we think sometimes, isn't it? I used to joke with my friends in seminary when we were discussing some deep and theological or philosophical concept. I'd always say, guys, I don't know. I just love Jesus. And that became a running joke in the, in the class. You know, oh, Andy doesn't know. Andy just loves Jesus. And they all, we all like to laugh about that. And uh, I have a friend of mine who still says that, says, I just love Jesus. And, you know, that's right. <laughs> There's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about the simplicity of knowing at the end of the day that I just love Jesus. There's a lot of things in the church we can debate about, a lot of things in the church that we can fuss about, a lot of things we can get, up, get upset about, a lot of things out there. A lot of folks love to fight. I've never been one of those type of folk because I have beliefs and I have things that are very important to me, very important, very important. But the most important thing to me is Jesus. Really is. And I, I don't often de debate, engage in a lot of debates or things such as that. Because at the end of the day, I just love Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what I want for you too. At the end of the day, I want you to love Jesus. Because I really, truly, y'all, I truly believe this is all that I am. I don't want to make you a good person. I really don't. That's not my job. My job in life, my job as your preacher, my job as a Christian minister, my job is not to make you a good person. It's really not. I don't want to make a good person. Good, good people go to hell. I'm not worried about making you a good person. 
point I'm worried about is you loving Jesus. Because I truly believe, I truly believe deep down with all that I am in the very core of my being, that if we love Jesus, he'll take care of the rest of it. I just want you to love Jesus. That's what it's about. That's truly what it's about. Dr. Dr. Nick used to always say in seminary that everything in our life, everything in our life eventually comes back to our walk with Jesus. And I think that's right. Every conflict with my spouse eventually is going to come back in some way, shape, or form to my walk with Jesus. Every conflict with my children is going to come back in some way, shape, or form to my walk with Jesus. Every conflict with you is going to some way, some way, shape, or form going to come back to my walk with Jesus. Everything, everything, everything comes back to Jesus. So what did I say last week? The essentials of the faith were the Trinity, the life, the death, the teachings, the, re- the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus. Those really are the essentials, y'all. That, that really, and if you look at the creed, that's really the majority of the creed deals with Trinitarian stuff and deals with stuff about Jesus. We had, we had a, a, a section last week on God the Father. We're going to spend a couple weeks talking about Jesus, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the Spirit. But that's the core of it, y'all. It really is. If you drill down to the core of it, the Trinity and our walk with Jesus, and the Trinity and, our, and who Jesus is. And today that's what we're going to talk about. Today in, and today in our look at the creed, last week we talked about, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Today we're going to talk about, and in Jesus Christ, his only, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So we're going to talk today about, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The begotten Son of our Father, and his conception and birth by Mary. Today we're going to talk about, if last week we talked about the very easy to understand concept of the Trinity. Today we're going to talk about the very easy to understand concept of the Trinity and something even easier to understand, the incarnation. <laughs> what it means to say that Jesus is fully God and fully divine. That's where we're going today is to talk about talk about. Once again, the Trinity, to talk again about the Incarnation. So to revisit what we talked about last week, this notion of God being a father because Jesus is a son. Well, today we're talking about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And just like last week, when we confess that I believe in God the Father, we're making a confession of our belief in the Holy Trinity. Today we're saying in his only begotten son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. His eternally begotten son, Jesus. The second person of the Trinity. So, just as God is a father, last week, Jesus is a son. Now, Jesus is, is di- <laughs> duh, is different than the father, of course. Each a distinct person of the Trinity. And when we talk about the incarnation, we're going to talk about how 
Jesus makes God the Father known to us because Scripture says over and over that he and the Father are one. But Jesus is the eternally begotten Son of the Father. Remember, we, we sometimes, we don't often think about what, our, what we believe. Uh, I always think about something Dr. Nick said. Dr. Nick said, notice how often we use the word feeling, I feel this, versus the, using the words, I think this or I believe this. Not that feelings are bad. Feelings are good. Feelings are very good. But our feelings need to be grounded in truth. And so I think and I believe. We don't think about what we believe sometimes. Jesus Christ did not begin at Christmas. Christmas was not the beginning of Jesus Christ's existence. It was the beginning of his birth here upon the earth, but it was not the beginning of, of, the, of the, the second person of the Trinity did not come into being at Christmas. Jesus is eternal. In the same way that the Father is eternal, the Son is eternal. And just as the Father has always been in existence, so has the Son always been in existence, so has the Spirit always been in existence. The Trinity, the Godhead, is eternal and has always been in existence because, as we said last week, God is love. So the Son is eternally begotten. The Son has always been a Son. The Father has always been a Father, and the Son has always been a Son. They are preexistent from our creation. The Bible says in him, it says in Colossians, in him all things were made and all things are held together through Christ. Christ was present in the creation of all things. The Spirit was present in the creation of all things. And the Spirit and the Son were in the creative process with the Father. The Godhead is the designer, keeper, and sustainer of all of creation of all the cosmos, and of all the universe. So Jesus Christ created all things in the same way that the Father created all things. The Spirit created all things in the same way that the Father created all things. We need to be very, I know it's confusing. Uh, I had some, some of y'all were picking at me and said, yeah, you know, you jo that joke about not understanding the Trinity. Yeah, we see that you don't. That's right. There's a depth, in a, in, there's a depth to it. There's an unknowability to it. But the Godhead, the triune God, is the creative force for all, uh, all things. The Father was eternal. The Son is eternal. He's eternally, His only begotten Son, our Lord, eternal, always. His eternal Son. Because remember, the Trinity ultimately is about relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And the love that the Father has for the Son, has for the Spirit, has for the Father. That image of a triangle. The Father's a Father because the Son is a Son. He is, he, he is, he is, he is His eternally begotten Son. In other words, He has always been there. He's always been the Son. Before time, before the universe, there was the Father, there was the Son, and there was the Spirit. His only begotten Son our Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of all things. He is Lord of creation. And he's Lord of the church. And I think, I think to think of Christ as Lord is a powerful concept because for Christ to be Lord means that Christ is in control and in charge of all things. And I think back to a, a phrase that I've 
said to you before that, that, that one of my Sunday school teachers years ago told me, she said, Andy, we cannot say the phrase, no, Lord. If you say no, then he is not your Lord. Jesus Christ is in charge. He is in control. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. Jesus is Lord of the body. He is Lord of the church. The church does not exist for our benefit. I mean, we get benefit from it, but the church is his body. The church is his entity. He is in charge of the church. Not me, not you, not even the bishop. None of us are in charge of the church, but Christ is in charge of the church. Now, Christ, Christ creates order in the church, and Christ creates leadership in the church. But this is Christ's body. And how I should never, ever, 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 ever be so arrogant to think that this is my church. No, it's my church, and then I'm part of it. It's my church, and that it means something to me. It's my church that I value it, and I'm loyal to it. But I'm simply a worker in his garden. How dare I be so arrogant to, pres- to presume that I'm in charge, because I am not. This is Christ's church. It is his body. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. The Son, the second person of the Trinity, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. That's what I wanted to read to you today, the, 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 the story of the Annunciation. Uh, the story where, um, where, where, where Mary finds out that she will be with child. Uh, it's a beautiful passage. And I, and I, I always love that passage during the Christmas season um, because I, I think Mary's example is such a beautiful example of what faith looks like. Uh, Mary, this young, this young girl who, uh, who had, had her life uh, set and planned out for her. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. They were going to have a comfortable life together. And suddenly the Lord invades and says, uh, greetings, favored one. Gabriel says, greetings, favored one. And she, he tells her this, this plan the Lord has for her life. And uh, her response is that classic response of faith, let it be unto me according to thy word. So Mary hears God's plan. And Mary says, yes, Lord, I will follow. So conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We see in both of those aspects, conceived by the Spirit, born of Mary, that nature of who Christ is. Christ is both fully God, conceived not by man, but by the Spirit, and born of the Virgin. So he, he, uh, he takes after his Father, God, but also he, he has the divinity of his Father, but he has the humanity of his Mother. He is fully God and fully human. And that is a hard concept for us to understand, y'all. That's one of those things, this, the notion of the incarnation, uh, it, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, as John tells us so beautifully in John chapter 1. That's a hard concept for us to understand, particularly, uh, I think, for us. Like I've often heard it put this way, and I think it's exactly right, that we in the 21st century— we do, not we do not struggle to understand the divinity of Christ. Uh, we get that he's divine. We understand the miracles. Like, we might not understand it, but we get that he was divine. 
we struggle to understand is humanity. To struggle, we struggle to say that Jesus was fully human. Like that, that's a hard thing for us to wrap our mind around. That Jesus faced temptations the same way that we did. That Jesus struggled in life. Foxes have birds have nests, foxes have dim, but the Son of Man doth know where to lay his head, is what Jesus tells his followers. Jesus' life was hard. Jesus got frustrated. Jesus got Jesus faced temptation. Everything that we face and struggle with, Jesus faced and struggle with. And that's hard for us to say. It's hard for us to think about. Could we think of the divine Christ? We struggle to understand his humanity. If you go back and look at the first few centuries of the church that I talked about last week, those, those early fathers and mothers, their struggle was not, with, was not with his humanity. They struggled understanding his divinity. What does it mean to say that this man that we walked with, that we talked with, that we slept beside, that we ate with, what does it mean to say that he was the son of God? Because that's what he is. He is fully human and fully divine. And for us to truly understand who Jesus is, we don't need to lose either one of those understandings. Because if he's only fully divine, then he's not fully approachable. We see in the Old Testament we see in the Old Testament, one of the questions somebody asked last week was talking about God walking in the cool of the, of the garden. Uh, if he was a spirit, what does that mean? And I talked about, and I read some great articles on this week talking about how God can, God can appear in human form if he, if he wants to. Think of Genesis 18, where God appears to Moses in the form of three visitors, the, the Trinity, though it's often called the Old Testament Trinity. Um, God could have appeared to them in many ways, but um, Jesus put on, if he, was, if, if he was not fully human, we would not have been able to fully understand him. He would have been too much for our minds to understand. Um, Colossians says he is the visible image of the invisible God. He reveals to us the Father. He reveals to us the triune nature of God. He reveals to us the glory of God. Through him we see that. And if he had only been divine then his obedience, his faithfulness is something that is unattainable for us. But he had to choose. The, human, the, human, the humanity of Jesus caused him to choose. He had to choose to be faithful. He had to choose to obey. He had to choose to follow the will of his Father. He chose. So we are human in the same way in that we also can choose through the Spirit. Through the Son, we can choose to obey. If, if he was only divine, then his holiness is unattainable for us, even through the Spirit. If he was only human and not divine, then he could not have perfectly atoned for our sins. We're going to talk about the atonement next week. We're going to talk about the cross and the empty grave next week. So I don't want to get too far ahead talking about what happened on the cross. But if he was only fully human, if he was just a good teacher, and I love C.S. Lewis has this beautiful um, uh, little uh, mental exercise called uh, Liar, Lunatic, or Lord. And it says that Jesus is one of three things. When you read the scriptures, you see that Jesus Christ believed that he was the Son of God. There's no way you cannot read the scriptures and not come away seeing that Jesus Christ believed that he was the Son of God. It's impossible. It's just all over the Gospels. So he believed he's the Son of God. That means he's one of three things. Either he's a liar, and you know, that he's just making this up. 
He, he, was, he was just a con man, and he was making it up. He was a, a lunatic. He was a crazy person who thought he was divine when he really wasn't. Or he is who he says he is. He's Lord. So Lewis's thing was, the one thing Jesus Christ cannot be is simply a good moral teacher. Jesus cannot simply be a good man. Because he believed he was the son of God. He did. So either he is a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he says he is. And are you going to build your life's teachings? You're going to build your life's ethos around the words of a liar? Are you going to build them around the lie or your lunatic? The only way we can truly receive and apply his moral teachings is if he is who he says he is. Because if he's just a liar or a lunatic, why do we build a life around that? We wouldn't. That's a dangerous thing. You're not going to build your life around a liar or a lunatic. You're only going to build your life around somebody who's Lord. So if he was not fully human, he's unapproachable. If he's not fully God, then he's not truly able to atone for our sins the way that the cross demands. We're, like I said, we're going to talk more about that. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The virgin birth is, to me, an essential doctrine of the church. It's in the creed, for goodness sake. <laughs> and if it's in the creed, it's a big deal. So he was conceived by the Spirit, born of the virgin. It's a miracle, you know. So that's the incarnation. These are essential teachings. These are not, these are not inconsequential teachings of the church. They're in the very creed itself. They're of the utmost importance. So, the Son, the Trinitarian language, our Lord, conceived by the Spirit, born of the Virgin, the Virgin birth and the notion of the Incarnation. I want to read to you a quote by um, St. Athanasius who wrote a great early church book entitled On the Incarnation. He says this. He says, For the Son of God became man so that we might become God. This in the church is known as the doctrine of divinization, that that the incarnation affects not just the restoration of our relationship with God, but that God took on our humanity and has been raised higher, to a higher dignity than before. In fact, the incarnation lifts our human nature to a greater height than we'd ever hoped for. As St. Paul says, you received a spirit of adoption, to which we cry, Abba, Father. So, God became man so that we could become like God. That's the beauty of the incarnation. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Through who he is, through his divine nature, he redeems us. He purchases us. He allows us to become co-heirs in heaven, as Paul teaches in Ephesians. The incarnation shows us the path forward for us. And that is following the way of Christ. That is accepting him. And following him as Lord. And there's no greater, no greater thing in our life than our walk with Christ. Yes, everything in our life goes back to Jesus. Everything in our life goes back to Jesus. And so, in this series, we're talking about a lot of theoretical, not theoretical, we're talking about a lot of philosophical, theological things. 
not the point. The point's this. Do you know Jesus? I'm giving you a lot of head knowledge about Jesus. That's not the point. Do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord? James says, you believe that God is one, you do well, the devil believes. Do you know Jesus? Because friends, nothing else matters. I just love Jesus. Yeah, that's right. I tell you, I just love Jesus. Nothing else matters. Not our intellect. Not our works. Not our religion. None of it. It's Jesus. So today in closing, that's what I want to ask you. Is do you know Jesus Christ as Lord? Because nothing else matters. Do you know Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for salvation that comes through Christ Jesus. We thank you for his love, for his mercy, for his grace, for all that it is. Father God, we thank you for his divine nature. We thank you for his human nature. Help us to love him and love you more each day. We love you. We ask it in his sweet and holy name. Amen.